On today's episode of the Hitman Podcast, Mo and I go through a complete rundown of the opening weekend for the NBA restart. We also get into the NFL news, including Antonio Brown's suspension, as well as the MLB and all the canceled games going on around the season. Finishing it off, we get into a little bit of a sneaker rundown. I kick Mo's ass in the game show, finally. And then we round it out with some mailbag. Episode 13, let's do it. Every week, uh-huh. each and every week, whenever you hear that MVP chant, you already know what's the deal. It's the most valuable podcast in the world, the Hitman Podcast. <laughs> Episode thirteen, Chris checking in, my brother Mo checking in. What's the deal, bro? How you feeling? What's up, brother? I'm feeling good, man. I'm feeling really good. Um, I'm blessed. And the, another thing, the Houston Rockets are a crazy team. I just got to start. I just got to <laughs> lead with that. They are a crazy team. I cannot figure these boys out. We just got done. I know you just got done watching the game, too. Them boys are crazy. They. Yeah, we taping the Sunday night right after the Bucks, right after the Bucks and Rockets went off, man. Yeah. Crazy. What a weekend to start the season or restart the season back off, huh? Oh, absolutely. You couldn't pick a better weekend and get some good games going, get some good action, get the stars back out there. Um, we eliminated all the bum teams, stay at home. You know what I'm saying? Only the elite is in the bubble. So we're getting some good matchups, getting some good games. So um, very excited to see where this is going to go, man. Definitely. But, yeah, Houston is crazy, bro. We're going to get into it a little later. But <laughs> I just can't figure these boys out for nothing. Well, let's not waste no time getting off into it. Y'all know how we get down each and every week, right? It ain't the timeline. It ain't see what happened last time was. Y'all know where we come from. Y'all know how we do each and every week. When we do the rundown, it's the woo out the bam. Yeah. Woo out the bam. No time like the present. Let's get off into it, bro. The NBA is back. Let's go. The NBA is back. I'm loving the it. NBA is back. <laughs> we kicked it off. Shout out to the NBA. Right on. We kicked it off on Thursday. The NBA restarted live from Orlando, Florida. Uh, too many games. Too many games. Can never have too much of a good thing. But let's get off into it, man. What's some of your early takeaways from the start or the restart of the NBA season? Man, uh, yeah, First that's and foremost, trash. Like, I think we went, it was last episode or one before that uh, when I was talking about the setup. 
I love the court setup. First, the visuals look good. Um, I think that me and you were texting one day, exactly. and we did say that the one thing that caught our eye was the virtual fans. As much yeah, as it's a trash. good idea, I really do believe like they should go back to the drawing board and try to tweak that up a little bit because you got fans, um, you got fans looking at somebody shooting free throws, and instead of distracting them, I'm seeing cats on their phone, exactly. mugs looking down. I'm like, yeah. You know, it's cool to get people to do the virtual fan thing, but they may want to go back to the drawing board on that. Uh, so everything looks good that way. The NBA players are going ahead and, you know, they're making a statement. People are taking a knee. Some are not. Um, but shout out to those who feel like they have a voice. That's what we wanted them to do when it came to, this, um, to the bubbles was to use the platform, and they're doing that. So uh, salute to the players on that. Now, basketball-wise, though, the hooping there's some takeaways that i got from this chris uh let me ask you a question do you have you ever heard like there's basketball players and then there's hoopers yeah for sure yeah so for people who don't understand there are two different type of you know players when you're talking about basketball you got your basketball players these are the guys that work hard they know all the plays they know how to run in the system they know they roll they can fit in and be part of a team that's gonna win some games. You got that. You never. You they are they are professionals. You know what I'm saying? They you know got the that. They know the playbook, huh? They know the playbook up and down. You can do. You know. You can. You you can trust them. You can trust them to not go crazy when you put them in the game. Then you got your hoopers. You could drop your hoopers anywhere in the planet, and they gonna get money. Huh. You know what I'm saying? And so. This bubble and this environment has created a couple of things here. Chris, you've been around at the, you know, the NBA circuit. You know how I go. Whether you at home or you away. Mm -hmm. When these players getting ready for games, it's more than a game. No pun intended. But it's just more than a game. Mm -hmm. They you got players, you gotta whether you on the road or you're at home, you gotta make sure that you have tickets for people who wanna come see the game. So now you trying to get tickets, you know? You might have a situation at home with your wife, your lady, whoever. You know, you got to deal with that before you make your way to the game. Uh, other outside factors, fans at the game, these things. Um, a fan may be heckling somebody, maybe getting in their head. The momentum swings of the crowd may get into a player's head in the, in the heat of the moment, and they may not, you know, do the right thing. So many what we call distractions. But in this bubble, there's absolutely no distractions. It's stay healthy and let's hoop. Those are the only things you got. So, right. with those things being considered in this bubble, the hoopers, oh, they're going to show themselves. That's why you have somebody like TJ Warren that drops 53 points. And everybody's like, TJ who? Oh, he's been a bucket since North Carolina State. Oh, James Harden, 49. No sweat. It's easy. Giannis out there dominating. The Hoopers, the guys who really you can put anywhere on this earth and get a bucket, they're going to show themselves in this bubble. Um, there's no distractions at all. James Harden with no distractions, since he's going to average 50. I've been telling people this like all week. He's probably going to average 50 throughout this whole thing. Um, but yeah, that's my that's my my initial takeaway from that. Uh, what, what about you, bro? So to your point, number one, uh, shout out to the production crew out there, ESPN, Wild World of Sports. Uh, on the Disney estate. The courts look amazing. They split it amongst three different stages. Uh, 
I've actually been in the arena previously. Um, it's transformed right now. The way it looks on TV versus what it usually looks like is, is night and day. So salute to them on that. The graphics are incredible. The court looks great uh, with very minimal personnel on staff. Absolutely. From a production standpoint, you know, it's a very hard undertaking when it comes to making TV magic. But salute to them. Um, as far yeah. as the, the fans on the screen situation and the pumped in crowd noise, I feel like all of that is strictly for TV. Again, to your point, when, it's like, when you're talking about the difference between hoopers and people that play basketball or, you know what I'm saying, like people that just are in the NBA. Um, yeah. That, that doesn't influence them one way or the other. I feel like they're not even paying attention to that. You understand? It gives me the situation now. Right. Uh, it's giving me like a AAU intramural championship, like on the highest level, almost like a almost even to yep. the point where it's almost like a, the Olympic trials without the fans. You know what I mean? Like the circuit, they, they, they're doing their thing. They're hoping at an elite level because, they're, again, they're trying to go for a championship, but it's without all of the bells and whistles. You feel what I'm saying? The one thing I did – one thing I do yeah. got a kind of a, a nitpick. It give me more of an enemy or feel than anything. I'm tired of players wearing the short sleeve shirt under the jersey. Like get in the weight room. If you ain't got no definition, that <laughs> that shit is irritating to me. Bro, that's a preference. Nah, fam. That's a preference. You got Yusef Nurkic. That's a you preference, got Yusef, dog. You telling me that? You got you. AD you got Yusef Nurkic out there. He got the he got the short sleeve shirt on with the sleeve. So it looked like a long sleeve on one side, on, short man. sleeve on the other side. <laughs> Anthony Davis got the got the t-shirt on. Come on, man. Do some lap pulls or something. Let's get these t-shirts out the league, bro. You wouldn't have had no t-shirts on in the 90s and the early 2000s. You feel me? Come on, man. They bringing a retro style back. I'm not mad they at it, man. The, they bring I'm not the, mad. They, it's kind of like, it's not even a t-shirt. It's not even a t-shirt. It's like an Under Armour type of like t-shirt. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it keep the muscles warm or something. Who knows, bro? But that's your take. That's, that's your that's takeaway. That's a couple of them. All jokes aside, though, it's a lot of <laughs> it's a lot of it's a lot of teams and a lot of players separating themselves. <laughs> We're gonna get off into it. We got a little while to go with y'all because it was a handful of it was a lot of games that came on this week. So we're gonna go off into what we can while we got the time. Yeah. But uh, my MVP of the opening weekend has been Paul George. Now, despite them going one and one, the, the, the Los okay. Angeles Clippers, despite them going one one and one uh, in these past few games, the one yesterday, he absolutely put his stamp on the game and let people know that he's not to be played with. Even in the Lakers game, he got hot, and they went away from him at the end of the game. Uh, not to mention that mm -hmm. given all of the points that he made that night, he only went to the free throw line twice, and he was two for four from the free throw line. So that was a telling sign for what's to come out of Paul George and out of the Clippers. Uh, also, no, like you said, T.J. Warren, salute to T.J. Uh, he went for what, 53 the yeah. other last night. Uh, the last time I remember seeing him, him and Jimmy Butler was getting off into it. So that's going to be a oh, game man. that I'm really looking forward to when, if, yep. if that's a qualifier, Indiana against Miami. Um, James Harden as well. I know it's going to be an unpopular take. Uh, and then also salute the Raptors, too. They still let y'all know the champs are still on top. But we've been going back and forth about this since, uh, really since the beginning of the year. The Jazz, the Utah Jazz. My personal opinion of the Jazz is that, especially with Donovan Mitchell, is I'm not afraid of the Jazz. I feel like it's um, they're, they're a pretty sound team. They, they've got their positions rounded out. But when it comes to who's your closer uh -huh. or who's a killer, nobody over there scares me. And Damn. that's not, you know, to joke Damn, about no respect for the, jazz? The, the Gobert situation. Um, it's kind of interesting that, number one, 
people kind of put him as the de facto reason that the NBA stopped. When the NBA restarted on Thursday, he was the first one to score a bucket. He was basically the inaugural bucket into the restart. And he iced the game at the end um, with his dunk. He put the game away. But for what it's worth, like in the playoffs in the Western Conference Championship, I'm not afraid of a Donovan Mitchell. I'm not afraid of a Joe Ingles. I'm not afraid of a Rudy Gobert just because they don't they don't strike me. They don't strike me as they just don't strike me as killers, bro. And we had Trav on a couple of weeks ago. Um, and he he spoke of the Jazz a little bit. I, I thought that Denver was going to be a more volatile opponent for anybody in the league versus the Jazz. They just don't do it for me, man. So, um, and Well, I will say this about the Jazz. I'll say this about the Jazz. Um, you are right in your assessment as, as they are not at a level to where they're considered a championship contender. I will give you that. I don't consider them a championship contender. Um, and the reason being is that I don't think Mike Conley fits in with them, which is the craziest thing that I could say. Because when Mike Conley got traded to Utah, I was like, oh, that's a perfect fit. That'll move him to the one, allow him to play the point, let Donovan Mitchell go ahead and, you know, um, play the two and, and get off and just go ahead and get buckets. And then Rudy can just be the enforcer in the paint. And it was working a little bit, but Mike Conley has never caught a rhythm with them. And by watching them play, even in these, in these, uh, the couple of games that they played in the bubble so far, it just doesn't seem like a good fit. It seems like they should, you know, um, I don't know. I don't know what they're going to do. You're right. Some people don't really scare you. Joe Ingles was, um, I think that he's regressed a little bit as a, um, a three-point threat. And so when you have these things and then you have Royce O'Neal, who is a defender, but not necessarily uh, an offensive threat, then yeah, you don't look like a championship contender and you don't win the games that you're supposed to win. Uh, we let me stop about you right the there. I, I yeah, guess, let me stop you right there because I see the floor. This, I see how the flow of this episode is going to go. We're going to be disagreeing the entire time. This don't oh, have I'm nothing here to do with it. Mike Conley. This don't have I'm nothing to do it. with Mike Conley, in my opinion. I feel like Donovan Mitchell is not a killer. <laughs> I feel like Donovan Mitchell, the reason Mike Conley hasn't caught a rhythm <laughs> is because Donovan oh. Mitchell, I feel like the reason Mike Conley has not caught a rhythm is because Donovan Mitchell is handling the ball too much. And not only that, but Donovan Mitchell is not a two guard. Donovan Mitchell is a point guard, in my opinion. He doesn't have the size to be a two guard. He doesn't have the range to be a two guard. He's a streaky shooter at best. And the last game, I'll tell you, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it 100 with you. The last game I saw in person um, before the NBA restart, was in Utah. It was Utah um, hosting the Celtics. And this was when Donovan Mitchell and Jason Tatum was trading buckets back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Even mm -hmm. with it heating up and even with the Jazz fans behind the team, I felt like it was just for show. I felt like at some point the Celtics, was, the Celtics were going to calm the situation down. And Tatum just seemed a little bit more dynamic as a player than for me than Donovan Mitchell. Uh -huh. And this is not the shit on Donovan Mitchell's show. But uh -huh. I am saying when it comes down to who I want on my team, to take me into the playoffs and further, it's not Donovan Mitchell for me. I feel like Donovan Mitchell still has a long way to go in terms of rounding out his game, getting comfortable with his game. Not only that, but the Jazz don't really have options outside of him. Joe Ingles is going to do his thing. Rudy Gobert is not an offensive player. I was surprised to see Royce O'Neal getting off the other day. But when it comes down to it, the Jazz are afterthought for me. And when it comes to Donovan Mitchell, when it comes to like the top 10, 15 players in the league, he's not touching that, nowhere near touching it, in my opinion. My last takeaway uh, for Spicy. for the my last takeaway for the restart, the New Orleans Pelicans, bro. 
I don't know which team I'm watching. <laughs> One minute they look Them great, the other minute they don't look good at all. Let me let me just put something in context for y'all. Do y'all remember when the whole Anthony Davis trade was going down? The whole time the Lakers mm-hmm. were trying to hold on to what piece? Oh, they were trying to hold on to uh, Kuzma. They didn't want to let Kuzma go. They was trying to hold on to Kuzma tight. Yeah. They was not letting Kuzma go. And meanwhile, the whole time, the main piece they should have been holding on to was who? Brandon Ingram. He's good. Good? He's great. I believe that Brandon Ingram is, the like I said, I think he's the most improved player of the year. Um, he's elevated his game, definitely, uh, from way his situation in LA to a situation now in New Orleans. Now, before I get back to Brandon Ingram, I got to reverse to the Utah thing. I hear what you're saying about Donovan Mitchell. I understand why you think that way about Donovan Mitchell. But think about it like this. Donovan Mitchell is 6'3", 6'4". So he's an undersized two guard, but he would play, but his game does not screen point guard. He is not trying to get people really involved in the offense. And when he tries to, it seems like he does too much. So Mike Conley being there, I believe, was going to be able to break down the defense and get somebody like Donovan Mitchell easy shots, set him up in ways to get him easier scores. It's not happening that way. How the offense looks like it's running is every man for himself. Okay? And so I think that with Mike Conley being such the floor general that he is, I think that he can, you know, use his abilities better to get make the game easier on Donovan Mitchell. So we'll see where that goes. I want to get back to Brandon Ingram, but I have to address one more thing with the Utah Jazz, bro. Have you seen Jordan Clarkson lately? <laughs> I think I know. I'm just asking. I think I know have you seen Jordan Clarkson? I think I know where you're going. Do you with know? This. You might know where I'm going. Yeah, he got the Rico Suave gene. Come on, brother. Come on, bro. Come on, oh, y'all son. Y'all think you're wearing a headband Look, so tight. Bro, well, let me tell you, Jordan Clarkson, if your hair really grew that fast from March to August, hit me up, bro. I need to know what product you are using. I'm not going to say too much, but just go look at Jordan Clarkson in March and what type of hairstyle he had and the hairstyle that he has. Now. And you tell me plus two plus two equals four on that situation. Next day. Let me Let's ask go you this, though. Let me ask you, let me ask you <laughs> this. Let me ask you this, though. Go ahead. In the bar, they saw so I, I tried to hit Chris Haynes up in the in the IG live. I was trying to figure out, hey man, I know they got the, the barbershop situation down there. Is it players only or is it a situation where the media can go down there and get they, you know what I'm saying, get they dudes tied, like fixed up, whatever. Yeah. When it comes to the players in the league, a Montrez Hill, DeAndre Jordan, I know he's not there, but like a Jordan Clarkson, they got barbershop down there, but they got people out down, down there doing braids, doing locks. What's going on? How how the females gonna react? Cause I would hate to see uh, Doris get on uh, get on get on the screen and she ain't got a makeup artist or a hair lady with her. So <laughs> I'm assuming they got somebody down there to handle all of that. Oh yeah, they got the little shop. I don't know if you've seen that, but they got a. Uh... I guess Chris Paul NBA. Yeah, but I'm saying it's that for everybody. It it's that for everybody. Think, oh, for I don't players. know that much, but I do know that they have a group of barbers that they did a vetting process with, and they brought them in. A group of hairstylists and barbers. Um, from what I'm seeing, I'm not going. I don't know who they are, but you know, we got to get some of these players right. I'm that, but that's just you know, that's just my first take on it. But we'll see if it get it get it gets better. Um, so you saying his Pelican- wig gonna fall out in a couple of days? <laughs> <laughs> see, I didn't want to say it. I didn't, 
And water saying, and you went there. See, now y'all gotta go see it for yourself. Y'all gotta go see what's going on, man, because somebody is fooling somebody. Somebody is trying to fool the masses. And Jordan Clarkson, we ain't here for it. We gotta call you out, brother. You was out here perpetrating, false flagging with the, with the weave, bro. I don't know what you got going on. Wow. <laughs> wow. I don't know. What wow, going bro. On, man. You're a wild but, boy. Uh, no, man. I want to get back on that Pelican situation. Uh. They looked good in that first game against the Jazz. They did lose that game. And then they absolutely got smacked. Smacked by the Clippers two days later. Um, I don't know if they want to make the playoffs. And it's not because of what I saw at the Clippers game. It's what I'm seeing them do with Zion. Exactly. They got. They have Zion. If y'all haven't seen, they have Zion on this... Uh, minutes restriction in which they play him in spurts so in the first game they lose to the jazz by two but zion plays 15 minutes in the 15 minutes that zion played he had and he wasn't on in the and he wasn't in the last five minutes of yeah, the game first of all yes he's plays 15 minutes and he doesn't play at the end of the game his 15 minutes doesn't go to the end of the game he's in for 15 minutes he scored like 13 points that's highly efficient the kid says he can play. He hasn't been there for a few de- for a couple weeks, but he's young, he's healthy, he says he can play. Why is he on a minutes restriction? I understand you're trying to protect your investment, but are you trying to win games or trying to protect somebody or trying to protect somebody who says they're good to go? Trust his body. Either he's still hurt or the Pelicans are just mismanaging this whole situation because what you're doing one is if the kid says he wants to play and there's meaningful minutes out there to make the playoffs and you're not putting him in the game even if you said you were going to play him 15 minutes why didn't you schedule it to be like you know what if this is a close game he will play here in this in this moment of the game it just seems like it's bad mismanagement by Alvin Gentry and the front staff of of the Pelicans which I definitely have faith in based on the moves that they've made to recruit missing Anthony Davis but at the same time you don't want to not play this kid and then he loses his confidence I don't think it's we've seen the Markel Fultz story I don't think it's an issue of, and I'm glad he got it back but we can't be doing that with Zion I don't think it's an issue of his confidence at all I think it's something going on behind the scenes and not only that but the idea that New Orleans was even eligible to be a part of the bubble comes from a place where it's a matter of TV dollars mm-hmm. people want to see Zion on TV he's a draw he has been a draw this year um, they only got six games to go. The playoffs start August 17th. And so every game is pretty much a playoff game for them. And the, obviously what they put out on the floor these past couple games is not going to get it done. Um, while we on the subject, let's actually get into it. Next, bam. So again, the NBA season kicked off on Thursday. Shout to Meek Mill and the TNT crew for that fire intro. Uh, he saluted and let us know that Black Lives Matter. Uh, he still put y'all on notice. This is what you were talking about, bro, in terms of using the platform on the grandest stage to kind of get our message across. So salute to TNT. The opening game was uh, obviously you just mentioned it, the Jazz and the Pelicans. Jazz go over the Pelicans, 106-104. Um, also of note, even though I kind of went hard at Spider Mitchell, uh, he and Mike Conley both had <laughs> Say Her Name on the back of their jerseys. Again, just to bring light, shed light to the yeah. situation of Breonna Taylor, uh, that case is still open. Those cops are still out there. 
Um, and we need to make sure that that situation is rounded out and taken care of. We need prosecutions. We need convictions. So salute to the players for taking the situation serious and, uh, and using their platform. But again, Zion wasn't on the floor the last five minutes of the game. Uh, I text you. We were going back and forth at the, at the beginning of it. Like, if he was only going to play a minute and a half just to get that starter credit, why did they even start him? Why they just didn't bring him in off the bench? If they worried about a minutes restriction, why don't you just bring him in off the bench and play him six man minutes or play him, you know, close to starter minutes? Um, but obviously, hindsight is twenty twenty. You had said, you know, because he matters. He, you say, it's important that he's seen that he's on the floor. But we both didn't anticipate that they right. were going to jerk his minutes like that in both games. To be quite honest with you, now the second game, I didn't know now that. the second game, I could kind of understand because they was getting smacked around. They was getting paintbrushed by the Clippers, so it's like, all right, cool. There's no sense in really keeping them out there right. uh, with the chance of risking an injury. We also we saw an injury today. You know, prayers up to Jonathan Isaac towards ACL in the game earlier today. Um, you know, the, the, hate, hate to, to see, see it. it. You know, he's gonna come back stronger. We just hope that. Uh, his spirits are high, so prayers up to him. But to that point, I can see why they pulled Zion out just for an insurance standpoint. But when it comes to that first game, y'all the opening game to the NBA restart. You need to see your superstar. You can you need to see engage. You know if he can carry a broadcast, if he can carry a game, and then mishandling him the way they have been all season long. Really, he's been off and on playing. Chris, games. they trying to make the, Chris. They trying to make the playoffs. So they say. Make the playoffs. <laughs> so they say. <laughs> I thought they were trying to make the playoffs. That's all I'm saying. Like, if you're trying to make the playoffs, why are you not playing? I don't understand it. You start him. We had that conversation. You start him. So my reasoning was like, yeah, he matters to the league. He matters to the fans. Of course, you're gonna start Zion. But me thinking of starting Zion and him playing five minutes in the first quarter and then five minutes in the second, I'm like, oh, he's gonna play five minutes every quarter. You know. And then the way they they managed that second half was terrible. And if you think that he's trying to work his way into shape, I understand it's a blowout. But why don't he just play in the blowout then? He was perfect for he was Get perfect. some reps. He, he was uh he was perfect for free for for uh, field goal attempts in the beginning of the game, and then they just snatch him out. And then for what it's worth, again the the Jazz were doing everything they could to give that game away. They were falling asleep. They were really sloppy. There yep. was not a lot of great execution that first that first game out. Rust aside, you know, jitters aside, being the opening act, Zion could have taken full advantage of the post game with the Pelicans. Uh, Rudy Gobert is not very stout. He's not like he's the he's the defensive presence, but he's not the most physical when it comes to. I feel like his his stats and his opportunities come from just being in the right place at the right time more so than actually blocking the paint. He's not like a Shaquille yeah. O'Neal in his day and Alonzo Mourning in his day. So uh, the Pelicans could have easily won that game. Not so much so with the Clippers because they were on a mission after that second game uh, on Thursday. The Clippers lost to the Lakers 103-101. to Anthony Davis finishing with 34 points, 8 rebounds. LeBron James coming in 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 assists. On the other side of things, Kawhi Leonard finished the game with uh, 28 points, 7 for 16. And then, obviously, we aforementioned Paul George finishing with 30 points, 11 for 17 from the floor, including two of four free throw shots made. Uh, he was going crazy in the fourth quarter, but everybody went crazy about the 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 last little bit of sequence where LeBron was locking up Kawhi. Mm -hmm. um, LeBron's brought his defense to the bubble, man. Uh, it's one of those things where they miss Avery Bradley, and he was probably the best defensive perimeter player. 
Um, and the, the Lakers, they're going to win with their defense. It's just how it, that's just how it's going to go. If they're going to win a championship, they're going to have to win it with their defense. Uh, LeBron's been criticized, and rightfully so, for his defensive lapses over the years. Um, a lot of people say that he's just trying to, you know, wait to the playoffs to turn it on and this, that, and the third. But, yeah, on, he, the first game back, he was locked in on defense. He did a great job on Kawhi Leonard uh, as far as, you know, in key possessions, making sure that he couldn't get a clean shot off. And, of course, the last play, uh, he was able to switch off on Kawhi, stop him, and then switch off to Paul George and, and stop him from getting a clean look off at the rim. So um, kudos to his defensive effort. But – this game didn't really tell me anything, even though the Lakers won. It didn't tell me anything. The Clippers don't have Lou Williams and Montrez. Right. Yeah, yeah, they don't have Lou Williams and Montrez. That makes a big difference to right. the, for the Clippers, you know? Uh, the one thing that holds true to me is that no matter who the Clippers have on the floor, they absolutely don't have an answer for AD. At any time AD wants to get a bucket, I feel like he can get it, even if Montrez is guarding him because Montrez isn't tall as him. He can just pull up over him and take the jet. Um, the Clippers are going to have to address that because one thing that the Lakers are going to do is gonna, they're going to work the mismatch. They're going to work the mismatch. If AD is open or AD is in the paint, they're not like some of these other teams that may get away from what works and not really follow the, bl the blueprint. They're going to do it. They've been doing it since the first game they met. They've been feeding AD, and I think he, he's averaging something crazy against them, like 35 points a game. So um, that's going to be something that to look out for. Uh, I don't think all those players for the Lakers are going to be playing. I I am trying to become a believer in Deion Waiters because I know he's in a bucket. But is Deion Waiters winning? Oh, he's in shape. He's in shape. He's in shape. I get from that. He's in shape, bro. He's I just don't know shape. if he's going to want to play Waiters winning basketball. Not, Deion Waiters is not a professional. I've been saying it for the longest of time, bro. It's too it's, it's too much going on to where he has to work that hard to remain a professional in the NBA. I understand he can hoop, but when you talk about a work ethic standpoint, this is the this is the vibe of the show, folks. I don't I, I don't know what y'all came for. This is gonna be. If y'all feel like I'm cynical, if I'm a hater, this is how y'all gonna get it. This is what y'all been waiting on. We in the bubble. Talk your talk. Deion Waiters. Talk your talk. Deion Waiters is not a championship piece for me when it comes to when it comes to that situation. He came out there to get yeah, a bag. He's, he's a wild he card. To prove that he can get back. He wants to prove that he can get back in the league and be trusted as a teammate. But when it comes to him being a championship piece or being the reason that puts uh, the Lakers over, it's with Anthony Davis and then everybody else. And that includes LeBron, with all due respect. Anthony Davis mm -hmm. is the Don Dada when it comes to the situation. And the sooner that he buys into that, realizing that nobody can stop him, there's no answer in the league for him. There's no, there's no defense in the league for Anthony Davis. Giannis aside, Embiid aside, there's nobody that's that's rocking with AD right now. And the minute he he comes into his complete set of powers, he's gonna control the Lakers franchise for years to come if he if he wants to. Um, so so kudos to the Lakers for that first game. They got a reality check last night though. Went up against the champs, oh. uh, the Raptors. Um, <laughs> I think that that was good for the Lakers as well, you know, just to kind of get that out the way, get knock that rust off to go, hey, this is what we were looking for in terms of competition. And those two back-to-back -back competitors with the Clippers and the Raptors, those are pretty much the best tune-up games you can have going into the final week before the playoffs start. Yeah. Um, 
shout out to the Raptors. The Raptors are not sweet, ladies and gentlemen. They are not sweet at all. Uh, people have not given them the benefit of the doubt. Kawhi left, and they they just was like, nah. People had them not making the playoffs. No respect right. for the Raptors. And what they've done this year is just beat everybody. And it's not like it's not luck. They are a good team. They play together. Uh, they have, uh, I think, Nick Nurse has 20 different defenses set up with the team. So they just run different defenses all game to confuse star players, confuse teams. And it's working. And you have somebody, if you're watching the game, like Kyle Lowry, who is, as much as I talk about Kyle Lowry, because I do, I, I'm not, he's not my cup of tea as far as like the prototypical point guard. Mine either. But he's a pit bull, man. He's a pit bull. He is not going to stop. And what you saw was he was penetrating the Lakers' defense. The Lakers not having a perimeter defender, a, a solid def perimeter defender, allowed him to just keep attacking keep getting to the foul line he was being scrappy he was knocking down threes and then his teammates was just feeding off of that and they and they took down the lakers and it was a good statement to me that was a statement win for toronto and it put people on notice that if you think we're going to be an easy out think again lowry finishing with 33 so, points 14 14 rebounds at the point guard position against the lakers the 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 size I mean, of that was the crazy lakers. he was going nuts so shout out to lowry um he doesn't get as much respect as, as what he's doing now. Uh, he's a late bloomer. I think that's a lot of what feeds into it is the fact that people are waiting for the Raptors to be what they are now for so long when DeMar DeRozan was there, uh -huh. tag team with Lowry. And they always seem to kind of wilt uh, when the lights got brightest and when it came to them going up against those Cleveland teams. And, um, you know, the, again, good things come to those who wait. Kyle Lowry working on this game, so – Interesting to see uh, what they're going to look like coming down the stretch, if they're going to be able to defend. I think Nick Nurse has changed the culture uh, and the outlook for that team. Coach of the year. Yeah, very strong case. Coach of the year. He's, he is the coach of the year, bro. Very strong um, case. You would, anybody else lose their star player, finals MVP, and it's, it might be curtains that next year. Great job to Nick Nurse and that team um, for, you know, staying afloat and performing and exceeding expectations. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, if they match up with Giannis um, and the Bucks, what ends up happening, or even a team like Philly, which oh, they just, oh, my God. Uh, I told you that Philly was a team for me, me to watch. I haven't seen a game for anxiety. them yet. The Raptors are actually, uh, they finished after last night, they're 47 to 18. This time last year, compared to now, they actually have a better record now than they did at the same time last year, and that's when they had Finals yep. MVP Kawhi Leonard leading the team. A lot of people don't know, the Raptors have actually been practicing and been together down in Florida since May. They've been out of Fort Myers. The majority of the team has been out there. They, they quarantined amongst themselves, um, and they have been getting working for a while, so where you see a lot of these teams coming into uh, Wild World of Sports and getting their scrimmaging in and getting their practicing in for the past couple of weeks, the Raptors have been together for almost a month and a half before the season restarted. So salute to them taking the, the repeat uh, opportunity or the repeat um, seriously. Yeah, don't be surprised you see him in the finals. Yeah, I won't be surprised at all. I won't be surprised with anything from the Raptors moving forward. You, you mentioned Nurse as a uh, as 
probably back-to-back coach of the year. That wouldn't surprise me at all. A couple other things to note. Obviously, we just got through watching the Rockets and the Bucks. Um, the Rockets won their opener against Dallas the other day. James Harden and Russell Westbrook combined for 80 points uh, to beat the Mavericks. And then tonight, they went over on the perennial favorites to win the NBA championship, the Milwaukee Bucks. Mo, I know you wanted to speak on it. Yeah. I remember when we talked about what teams did we want to see coming into this bubble. And I gave a few names. And the team that I did not name was the Houston Rockets. And I'm here to change that. This is the most interesting team in the bubble, by far. If you've watched their games before this restart, they got rid of the center. So their lineup consists of no center. P.J. Tucker, who list, who's listed at 6'8", right. he looks more like a 6'7", 6'6", guy that just has a big body and a, and a, and a huge and a big frame, is playing center for them. Right. They take 53s a game at least. Today they took 61. And P.J. was trashed. All right. It was not falling for him at all. <laughs> they were jacking up threes. I think before this, I, I'm going to make a prediction and say, during this bubble in the playoffs, the Rockets will get up 73-point attempts. I, I don't think a team has ever done that. I got to look it up, but I think they'll get up 70. I think they'll get up They'll get up to 70. They just run and gun, man. Uh, See, I don't like that. I don't like that. I feel like they, they're trying to give you Warriors, uh, Golden State Warriors vibes, but they're not that efficient when it comes from three. I know James Harden can give you threes. PJ can give you threes every now and again, but I'm not looking for threes from Russell Westbrook. I'm not looking for threes from Austin Rivers. I'm not looking for threes from Covington. Covington, he's a rangy player, but he's not like lethal. Again, the Rockets are another team that Man, I'm not Robert really like, Covington. I'm not scared of the Rockets either, bro. Like I know they got a lot of big names and a lot of big contracts over there, but I don't see the Rockets as a championship team. And God forbid James Harden gets hurt. Where do you go after that? They don't have any other options. Oh, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. And so you're right about that. You are very right. And this is why they're the most interesting and intriguing team of this whole bubble. The first game, uh, they got out-rebounded by 12 points. I mean, 12 rebounds by Dallas. Okay? Tonight against Milwaukee, they got out-rebounded by 22, bro. They got out-rebounded by 22 rebounds and still won the game. This dude, Giannis, had 35 and 18. Robin Lopez, Brooke Lopez looked like the second coming of uh, yeah, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. He had like I 25 like and 13. I'm like, what's going on? He was scoring all over the place. They, would, they consistently attacked the rim. No resistance at all. Houston had nothing to, they couldn't provide anything. P.J. Tucker falling all over the place. Anybody they had playing in those in those four and five positions could do absolutely nothing with Dallas or Milwaukee. But yet and still, they won these games, which to me is impressive. Also, Russell Westbrook is going to, my player that I'm going to watch for this whole bubble in the playoffs. I think that he is going to be the most interesting player because one, he's coming from OKC where he was the man and he is the man here in Houston but we all know who's going to have the ball in their hands it's going to be James Harden so how does he adjust his game in the playoffs when the pace slows down 
when the play slows down and you know James Harden has the ball and he's going through his thing and he's dribbling, stepping back, how does he get involved? Is he going to be back cutting? Is he going to just be standing there watching like how he used to do sometimes with KD? How is he going to evolve his game in the playoffs to take them to that next level? Because the one thing that's for sure is they're undersized. So they're going to have to use their speed and their three-point shooting to beat teams. Daniel House. He's very respectable as a three-point shooter. Ben McLemore, respected three-point shooter. You, James Green, I mean, uh, Je Jeff Green, my bad. He's a okay three-point shooter if he's left wide open. P.J. Tucker was broke tonight. But all in all, those corner threes, is mo they're money for him. So they have enough three-point shooting to last with, some, with dynamic players like Harding and Russ. But how do you win four games in a playoff series against a team that could throw out three people in the starting lineup that's six nine or taller? When they go up I against the Lakers, when they go up against the Lakers, we'll the, when they go up against the Lakers in the second round of the playoffs, and they go away from just trying to be fancy and, and get the flashy plays off for Sports Center and for uh, the one on the on Fox. What happens when LeBron just goes? You know what, bro? We're gonna come down and do switch every time. We're gonna do high-low post, and then he throws it in seven <laughs> times straight to Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis turns and yams it on whoever's down there. Insert player, Daniel House, uh, P.J. Tucker, Westbrook if he's trying to get down there and get a rebound. What happens when they when they go up against Chris, I saw Milwaukee. I saw Milwaukee do it tonight. I saw Milwaukee do the same things that you're saying right now. And they won. That's why I don't understand them for the life of me. Like, what? Who is this team? What? Like, why are they winning these games? The reason why is because they don't. They just stick to the blueprint. They're going to shoot those threes. Now they can get hot and beat, knock a team off. I just believe that if Houston gets hot, it's going to be one of those. I can't believe they won that series. Yeah, I think it's a lot every of game they've been out rebounded. Every yeah. game they've been dominated, but at the end they're going to win the game. Even tonight, I felt like it was a story about matchups. DiVincenzo's undersized when it comes to Harden. George Hill is not the most out when it comes to Westbrook. Eric Bledsoe just got to Orlando, so he'll be uh, situated in the lineup pretty soon. But they took advantage of that matchup. When it comes to taking advantage of the post matchup, Giannis has got to control himself. He has to play more in the post as opposed to wanting to run and gun up and down the floor. He's running full court all game long. That takes a toll on you uh, and fatigues you from, a, from that standpoint. He was hitting some threes tonight. He was showing off a little bit of range, something that we don't see too often out of him. But he needs to play to his strengths. He needs to go back to his bread and butter. And he needs to recognize matchups when they come. So if you know that you're going to have guards on you or small fours on you all game long, you need to body them. You need to get in, get those elbows in, get those drop steps going. And if you don't get those easy high percentage shots, at the very best, you can still make your money at the free throw line. But running up and down the court trying to Euro step your way into a victory or Euro step your way into a championship is not going to cut it because people are taking charges and there's not that huge momentum swing that comes from home field advantage with fans around. So those emotional plays that come from you taking a charge or you catching a blocking foul or, or, or a key play, those things don't, you have to kind of find motivation other places. And being smarter and working smarter versus working harder is going to be the name of the game to finish out the season and winning a championship. Let me ask you something, because you bring up a very, very good point. Giannis and the Milwaukee Bucks, are they for real? Before you answer, the reason why I'm saying that is because 
I literally sit here and watch them dominate. I watch him dominate. It's ridiculous. I watch him literally run to the hole and dunk every time and average 30 off doing that, right? Like you said, he gives us the three-pointer whenever he's feeling it. Whenever he's feeling it, he, he, he shoots the three, and he gives us a little something. I personally do not believe that his playmaking is at a level that it needs to be for them to actually be crowned champions. Right. When he's when he's driving to the rack in the first and third quarters, first through th- you know the first three quarters when he's driving and he's euroing and he's dunking, it's all good. But when those teams say, "All right," like I get again, playoff basketball, the pace slows down. I agree. Teams lock in. Whatever they have to do to defend, they do. And normally, what you'll see with Giannis is people build a wall and they try to force him to run through it. Giannis last year didn't learn and he kept running through the wall and kept turning the ball over. I don't believe that when things get tight, he has a go-to move. I think that he's going to try to still continue to run over people. It can work. I don't know how effective it it will be, but I believe that he does not trust his jumper when it's tight and he does not have a go-to move that he trusts when things get hectic. So with all that being said, and Chris Middleton being your your second option, uh, I do believe that Chris Middleton is a is a hell of a shooter. He's shooting the lights out, um, actually in a bubble right now. I think somewhere over fifty percent from three. Um, but he's really he's really doing his thing. But is he that second piece when Giannis can't get anything going to the bucket? Is it, can you put the ball in Chris Middleton's hands and say, "Go get us Walk the band. I don't know. I can't say that definitively. So, do you believe in Milwaukee? Do you believe in Milwaukee? Not, in, and I'm saying this because I believe that Milwaukee should get to the championship. Do you believe that they can be champions? They have a legit shot at being a champion. When they play, at, when they play at the highest versions of themselves, then yes, I absolutely believe that they can beat anybody and beat anybody handily uh, for a championship. But if there are any type of chinks injury-wise, again, Eric Bledsoe just got down. Um, Giannis, uh-huh. thank goodness that you know he's st- he's been staying healthy and he's proved to be durable. But something happens to him. Um, they are a deep team, but they go as Giannis goes, and Giannis essentially goes as Chris Middleton goes. I think Chris Middleton is the most important player on Milwaukee's team. Um, He's a less athletic Rip Hamilton, in my opinion. I've never really been sold on him from yeah. uh, an efficiency stand- standpoint. When he's great, he's great. But if he's not great all the time, or if he's not great consistently, he can become a liability. Um, and there's a lot to there's a lot of pressure on him yeah. because he just signed a new contract, and he's stepping into a rarefied air when it comes to the two guards in this league. Uh, he's he's starting to see success as being an all-star. But Scoop said it last week on our show, or a couple of weeks on our show. He said Chris Middleton is the most important player on the on the Bucks team because Giannis is going to give you what he's going to give you, but everything else has to come after that. It has to come by, uh, right. by committee. And Chris Middleton has to play that yeah. That B role, he has to play that second, uh, that second banana role when it comes to putting up points, putting forth effort on defense, making sure that he gets the other team in foul trouble. He has to become a threat, a more uh, viable threat 
constantly, consistently in order for that to work. Uh, quick, quick points uh, before we move on to the NFL. Speaking on Giannis. Um, and then again, it's kind of like the TV bias as well. Marcus Smart got fined 15 Gs uh, by the league for commenting or criticizing uh, the officiating. There's kind of been some some shaky officiating going on these past couple of days. But they played the Bucks the other night, uh-huh. and he had something to say about uh, Giannis being, you know, able to stay in the game, out the game. Did he foul out? Did he not foul out? He felt like that was a TV foul that they kind of wanted to give him just because they wanted to make good TV. Uh, and you kind of seen a little bit of that tonight as well, where he was getting certain calls that he might necessarily should not have gotten. And he was definitely getting calls that James Harden was not getting. Um, so it speaks yeah. to the it speaks to the theory that he earns that. It speaks. He earns. But that. he's an MVP. he's an MVP just like Harden is an MVP. So let, let's not get yeah, it. Man, you know how that go. Um, but it it speaks to the theory that there are certain offic- officials that uh, cater more towards or preference prefer uh, certain players over others. Um, so that's just something that we're going to keep our eye on moving forward with the officiating. And then also, you know, when it comes to the crowd and when it comes to that that home field advantage, that crowd affects officiating just as much as it affects the play of the players. Uh, one player that we didn't actually speak on in terms to who we were watching out for uh, was Ball Ball. Early on, very early on, this kid mm. is showing that he is he has a lot of skill and a lot of potential to be something great. Uh, he made some really dynamic plays these past couple of games and on national television. That little that little skip play, that little skip bounce pass that he, he had the other day, that was dope. Um, nice. He's showing that even though he has a, a small frame, that he has the will and he has the a bit of a dog in him that he's going to put forth effort um, that's going to be substantial. It's going to be um, very, very, very uh, good numbers. It's going to put forward a lot of good stuff for the Nuggets moving forward. Um Michael Porter Jr., I'm, the verdict is still out on him as yeah, far man. as I'm concerned. I've seen him play in person. Uh, he's not very fast. I know he was dealing with an injury, a uh, nagging injury for a couple of years, but uh, he just doesn't strike me as a dynamic player. They keep waiting on him. They keep selling him as he's going to be this great scorer. He's going to be this great player. Um, I haven't seen it yet. I'm still looking forward to seeing that, but if it doesn't come, I won't be surprised. Uh-huh. Uh, and then one last note. Uh, some news, some coaching news over the weekend. Tom Thibodeau agreed to a five-year deal to become the next head coach of the New York Knicks. Um, Tibbs was quoted as saying that this Knicks job has been his dream gig. Uh, But the question is, was it his choice um, to coach this team? Or were there some outside influences that kind of brought this about? What you think about that, Mo? Uh... Tom, Tom Thibodeau said it was his dream job. Congrats to him for getting the job. But I don't know if he was the man for the job in New York. Uh, they were interviewing Jason Kidd. I believe that Jason Kidd was a better fit for that New York situation, especially if they're if the rumblings are true and the rumors are true that they're looking to bring in LaMelo as their pick. I would think that somebody like Jason Kidd would be able to develop them. If you look at Jason Kidd and what he's been able to do, um, when he went to the New Jersey Nets or Brooklyn Nets, he did a good job there with what he had. He had an aging Paul Pierce, an aging Kevin Garnett. He had Joe Johnson and Darren Williams. Um, Darren Williams is injured most of the time there. But he was formidable with them. He was able to, you know, make something of that team. They didn't go too far, but they, they were – 
you know, a very tough opponent. Then he goes to Milwaukee and has a young Giannis and a young Bucks team, which he really developed. He should get a lot of credit for how that team developed, how Middleton developed, how Giannis developed, um, and he left there. I do believe that the Knicks are, man, they need a prayer. I don't know what they need, but Tom Thibodeau, we know his style. He's a drill sergeant. He plays his players 40 minutes plus a game. Um, we know his pedigree from what he did in Chicago. Great coach, great defensive coach. Uh, I don't know that he is relatable to the players now. And you know how coaching is. Coaching is nowadays probably what? 50% X's and O's, 50% being able to manage superstars and manage you know egos and being able to relate to the young culture of these players and so i don't think that tom thibodeau necessarily fits that part of the mold when you're thinking about new york uh they will work hard they will be hopefully good on defense but judging off of the talent he had in minnesota and how that went completely left i don't have much hope for him in new um in new york so i personally don't think he Personally, don't think he's the right. He's the right coach. He's not. That's exactly why I think he's the perfect coach. Number one, there are no superstars on the New York Knicks roster as of right now. Uh, when it comes to the mellow ball, I don't think that that's in play at all. I think that despite everything that's wrong with the Knicks organization, they are the owner is smart enough to know that he is going to be the biggest personality for that franchise. So bringing in the LaMelo, LaMelo Ball, I think he learned his lesson from watching the Lakers. Uh, LaMelo Ball is going to come with LeVar Ball, and I don't think Dolan wants any part of that. Now, when it speaks to Tibbs as a coach and relating to young players, uh, I subscribe to the, the school of thought that a lot of these players think they're superstars and they're not superstars. Uh, a lot of these super, a lot of these young players think they're professionals and they're not professionals. What happened in Minnesota, I don't put that on Tibbs at all. Uh, yeah, a big part of you coaching has to be um, a mentorship standpoint or being able to relate to players and massaging a situation to where there's as much harmony as you can create to push forward as a collective, as a team. But there was just uh, there was just a lot of uh, ego stroking that was being done or lack thereof. And Jimmy Butler spoke a lot about he spoke pretty truthfully about what was going on with the young boys. And that's why you saw those changes that were made. Andrew Wiggins went out to Golden State. D'Angelo Russell went out to Minnesota to be with his best friend because Towns, um, in my opinion, I know it's a side swipe, but Towns is not a superstar to me. He's not anything special to me. He's, he's got talent, but he's not a dog. He's not a, he, he doesn't have that in him. Um, and I feel like Tibbs. This boy spicy today, bro. Yeah, man, NBA's back. I'm not, I'm not playing around with none of this stuff. I already don't. I already don't like the idea of the bubble as it is. You know how I felt Boy, that way from spicy. jump. I felt like they should have canceled the season, but we're gonna make the best out of the situation. We're gonna make chicken salad out of chicken shit. At the same time, again, I rock with Tibbs. Uh, you said he did a wonderful job in Chicago. You know what I'm saying? He was a coach of the year. Let's not forget he was an assistant coach on Doc Rivers' staff and won a ring with Boston when he had the big three. Um, then he moved on to Chicago, then Minnesota, and now with the Knicks. Um, maybe he had a little bit too much power in Minnesota, had too much uh, decision-making ability out there when it came to giving him the, the basketball operations role and bringing his guys in, you know, bringing his homeboys, not his homeboys, but bringing Tom Thibodeau guys in, bringing the Joakim Noah, Taj Gibson, uh, Derrick Rose, Jimmy Butler. They were making it, they were making jokes back then that they were the Chicago T-Wolves. 
Um, but I think I think this is a good thing for the Knicks. I think it's a good thing for Tibbs. He knows how to work a big market team. He knows how to handle big market media. He's not going to be made to make decisions based on the influence of the New York media. Uh, Tibbs is a strong enough minded coach where he can stand on his own two feet and make his own decisions. And I feel like he's a personality where he can stand up to Dolan and command that respect as opposed to just being railroaded into doing things that he doesn't want to do. Um, so we'll keep an eye on that moving forward in the future. But right now, my mind is stuck on where we're at as far as the bubble. We got a week and a half to go before the playoffs start. Um, who you got in the finals, bro, before we move out? What, what, after this weekend, I know, like, let's, let's jump out the window. Who you got going? If just going off of, not off the bubble, I just really believe that the best two teams that are equipped to make it to the finals based off of leadership, based off of all factors in, included, I'm going to go out, out of the Western Conference. I'm going with the Lakers. Uh, this AAU type of style benefits somebody like LeBron. Um, you see him out with his kids in the summertime at the AAU tournament. Uh, he knows he's probably the only guy in the league with kids in high school getting ready to go to college. So he understands this this kind of environment. He understands what it takes to get team to bring the team together, to bring the camaraderie together, to make it through these times. And even though I think the Clippers are the more talented team roster wise, I do believe that you have to lean on championship pedigree. So I'll go with the Lakers out the West and then out the East, man. I want to say Milwaukee, but I want to say Milwaukee. Right now, I'm going to say Lakers-Milwaukee. But do not be surprised if you see the Philadelphia 76ers in the finals. That's all I'm going to say. I don't even want to get into why, but something about that team and that dysfunctionality will probably work to the advantage some weird way in the playoffs. I just believe that Joel Embiid is too talented. Ben Simmons is a magician with the basketball. You got, they lack a lot, they lack shooting, especially off the bench, but somebody like Tobias Harris can can heat up. Uh, I just believe that Brett Brown is on the hot seat and he's gonna have to do some of his best coaching to not get fired after this year. And with that being said, they may make a deep run. But remember, they were seven bounces on a rim from Kawhi away from going to the Eastern Conference Finals last year. So you gotta give them the benefit of the doubt there. I'll give them that. They don't have Jimmy Butler, so that work that works against them. So like I said, Lakers, Milwaukee, don't be surprised if I see the Sixers there. That's my bold pick. The Sixers will su surprise everybody and make the finals. I got uh, the Lakers and the Raptors in the finals with a caveat for Milwaukee to kind of pull it out in a game seven against Toronto. But that's where I'm at. Let's get off into the NFL for a second. Uh, while everybody's eyes were glued to the NBA, um, and a quick point of note, for the NBA restart, the Jazz Pelicans game did a 2.2 rating. The Lakers Clippers did a 3.1 rating. Um, that's from Showbuzz Daily. Tomorrow, the final numbers will be out for Friday and Saturday. Um, the Friday games did do a 1.7 and a 1.3 respectively. So we were imagining, we figured that there was going to be a drop off. I just didn't expect it to happen this quickly. Uh, we need that to pick back up. We need people to get eyes on the NBA because when we're talking about the platform that they have and 
the issues that are affecting our country right now, there was a lot of effort that was put forth uh, from the jerseys to players speaking out in post-game interviews. Um, we need to get more eyes on the product so that that message can get spread. But when it comes to the NFL, we starting off the story with Antonio Brown. He's been in and out of trouble with them for the past couple of weeks. He's been on Instagram Live saying he retired, he unretired. He wanted to know what his arbitration was looking like with the league. He felt like they was taking too long. And they ultimately came down uh, and suspended him. Whether he signs with the team this season or not, he will be starting the season uh, on the sidelines. Antonio Brown's been suspended for the first eight games of the season for violating the NFL's personal conduct policy. The NFL, According to NFL.com, they said the suspension is related to Brown's no-contest plea to burglary and battery charges and accusations that he sent intimidating texts to a woman. Brown's attorney and agent said that he will not appeal this decision. Um, whenever he does come back, whenever a team does give him a look, Mo, what do you feel is the best fit for A.B. for the NFL season? The Houston Texans. Huh. Perfect fit. Uh, they're a team that needs to give Deshaun Watson some help. I don't know if I don't know if Bill. <laughs> what is it, Bill? Uh, I forgot his last name, but he. <laughs> Billy O. Bill, Bill O'Brien. I don't know if he realized that he let his best receiver go to Arizona. And you really haven't done anything to kind of help Deshaun Watson progress as a quarterback and make life a little bit easier on him. But Bill O'Brien, if you want to make a life a little bit more easier on yourself and your quarterback, you should go get Antonio Brown. I mean, before he left, he was, I mean, probably the best route runner in the NFL. Uh, Julio Jones, to me, of course, the NFL player picked him as the best wide receiver but Antonio Brown is dynamic can play in a slot can return punts and kicks you can do so many things with Antonio Brown and he's amazing he has impeccable hands for somebody like Deshaun Watson who gets out on the run who can you know fling the ball 60 yards down the field get him somebody like AB and let's see what happens uh, I know a lot of people talk about these other teams like Baltimore I know uh, if he goes to Baltimore that would be unbelievable uh, but just fit wise where AB can kind of be himself and you know kind of get back to who he was I think that the Texans will be a good fit because he'll get the ball there I'd love to see AB in Chicago uh, to kind of give the biscuit Mitchell David Trubisky with the Bears uh, some type of uh, redemption because I feel like again, well, we talked about boys up out of there. I feel like this is his last this is his last chance and a weapon like AB on the other side of the field opposite Allen Robinson um, Taylor Gabriel it'll give Trubisky another weapon to give Matt Nagy another opportunity to be creative uh, and to give them a better shot to win the North and, and move forward uh, another team I would I would definitely like to see AB go to once he gets his head on straight is Seattle um, I feel like not just from a dynamic offensive standpoint, but from a player culture standpoint, Pete Carroll has Russell Wilson, uh, who has the ear and the command of the locker room. Um, it's out of the way. It's not necessarily a limelight, big market city where there's going to be media coverage on him all day, all night. Um, it'll give him a place where he can really just focus on playing elite football and blot out all of the other distractions. 
Um, and in, in, they're in a division where it's not the greatest. You know what I mean? The Rams are there, and uh, the 49ers are, you know, the, the, the class of that division right now. But it'll give him a sense of competition, excuse me, uh, to bring to bring the Seahawks back to Super Bowl status or Super Bowl contender status. Uh, and I know Russell Wilson would love to have a, a weapon like I think, the I think every single NFL team would love to have Antonio Brown, somebody of that caliber, join their team without a doubt. Uh, Seattle would be a good place for him. I definitely see, you know, he's a character, man. He's a character in Chicago. God bless. <laughs> well, that's that's the only way I would see him in a big city. I couldn't see him in New York or one of the LA teams. I couldn't see him in LA or one of the New York teams. Um, I feel like Chicago would give uh, give him a breath of fresh yeah, air. Um, it allow him to play in a place that he's never uh-huh. essentially played in, uh, market wise and uh, work ethic wise, city wise. It'll give him a different identity. Um, and again, I feel like Matt Nagy is a, is a genius when it comes to the offensive side of the ball. Uh, he showed you what he could do in Kansas City. He showed you a little bit what he can do in Chicago. And a weapon like AB can uh, can open up the playbook. Um, Quick note before we move on. Um, prayers up to, to Eagles head coach Doug Peterson. Um, he was the second NFL coach to test positive for coronavirus. Coronavirus! Uh, Matthew Stafford was also placed on um, a special list for the Detroit Lions. They haven't given out the full details, but it's coronavirus related. So he has either tested positive for coronavirus or he has come in contact with someone. Um, who tested positive so in the meantime he's going to be not on the active list and then the New England Patriots uh, they've had quite a few players opt out of the season um, due to coronavirus uh, concerns so we were anticipating you know a kind of a rebirth kind of a different look for the Patriots moving this season with, with the acquisition of Cam Newton but it seems like as soon as he got there, it was almost one step forward, two steps back because a lot of the defensive players have opted out. Um, so just something to keep an eye on moving forward for the Patriots and league-wide. We still don't know for sure if they're going to have a full season, which is going to bring us into the next band. But I want to get your thoughts right. on it before we move on, bro. Um, Yeah, man. Like you said, this coronavirus situation is a real one. You know, something we've never seen before. So... Safety is should be first on all of these leagues. Mind if people want to see the right way to you know run a situation, they might want to take a look at the NBA because they're doing a fantastic job with testing, fantastic job of making sure players are not getting contracted with this uh, this virus. Uh, I don't know how you do that with football as you're not in a bubble. These players are training wherever they want to train. Uh, they're flying and going wherever they want to go. So I don't know how you get that under control. So hopefully there's a, a system in place that will help them. Um, because like you said, if they don't, we probably won't see a full season. Uh, so those are my thoughts on that. And then before we switch gears, because I know we want to get into a league that's doing a terrible job, a terrible job handling the coronavirus situation. Uh, did you see the poll that the players came out with, with these NFL players, ranking them? Yeah, I ain't really paid too much attention to that because I feel like it's too early for polls, Madden ratings, all of that shit. 
I, I, yeah, I, I caught yeah. it, but I wasn't uh, like engaged in it for real, for real. I know a lot of people had issues with. Got you. Got you. Well, one of the main ones was um, one of the main things that came from that. Uh, once again, these NFL players every season they vote on who the best players are in the league, and the voting results came back, and they had Lamar Jackson number one. They had Russell Wilson number two. They had Aaron Donald number three. And that number four was Pat Mahomes. Now, Pat Mahomes didn't seem like he took a liking to that. He tweeted an emoji of him taking notes, like the notes emoji, taking notes. Like, okay, I see what y'all talking about. I guess I got to reclaim my throne. But for me, I guess the question I'm asking is, based on those four players that I've named, the three players ahead of him, do you really think that the players... Did a, I mean, voted the wrong way, having Lamar Jackson number one and having Russell Wilson number two? List don't mean nothing to me, bro. Like, I, it, everything sounds good on paper. Um, but for what exactly. it's worth, any given Sunday, any team can beat any team. The NFL is, is, is kind of full, it's kind of big on parity. For a long time, people created the false narrative that the Patriots couldn't be beat or they were unstoppable. They took advantage of situations they were the most opportunistic team for a long time. But I feel like that cachet or that, that brand name almost scared people before they went in to play the Patriots. It was almost like they were fighting a ghost. And now that that is kind of out of the way, people are trying to put the Chiefs and the Ravens into that spot, and it's very premature. Um, I don't understand why a player on another team would rate um, somebody on a different team better than their team or better than their quarterback. Like, if I was on the Ravens, of course I'm going to say Lamar Jackson is the best quarterback in the league. It might it might not necessarily be true, but that's my guy, and I'm going to ride for my guy. The same way with the Chiefs. Of course I'm going to say Pat Mahomes is the best player. If I'm on the Rams, I'm going to say, of course Aaron Donald is the best, the best player. So I feel like it's more so about bringing attention to their teams versus an actual, an accurate uh, account of who the best player in the league is at this, at this point. The best players on the league are the, are the people at the end of the year standing on the top of the mountain with a trophy. In my opinion, Patrick Mahomes is the best player in the league. Lamar Jackson was the most valuable, but when it comes to the best player in the league, the best team in the league, I feel like it's the Chiefs at this point. Um, and even my opinion may or may not mean a whole lot. Lists don't really mean much to me at this point, bro. I need to, I need to, I need them to have a season first. Yeah, man. I don't have a problem with the list. I don't have a problem with it. Russell Wilson, Lamar Jackson, they both have MVPs. Uh, Pat Mahomes has an MVP. Uh, Aaron Donald, his pedigree speaks for himself. So I don't have a problem with it. Pat Mahomes, yes, you do have a championship ring. But if you gave those two quarterbacks that same offense that you have, I guarantee they would have a championship ring too based on the uh, what they bring to the game. So no problems with it at all. I just want to know if you thought it was surprising. I was, I was, I understand that he's going to use that for motivation, but it's not that big of a deal, Pat Mahomes. You, you're great. You're going to be great for a long time in this league. Yeah, that's a lame thing to use as motivation anyway. Like, who cares, bro? Like, I don't care what y'all think. I beat all of y'all anyway, and I got a ring. All right. Next band. <laughs> Yo, are you watching baseball at all? Do you watch baseball? Do you do you care for baseball? Well, <laughs> I'm not watching it, but I'm watching the chaos because this is wild, bro. 
you got to tell the people what's going on because if you haven't been watching what's been going on with baseball and them trying to have their season, it is absolutely embarrassing. Ridiculous. So in case you've been under a rock or you don't know what's going on, uh, the MLB, Major League Baseball, has been trying to piece together a makeshift season uh, for weeks now. And at every turn, whether it's the Philadelphia Phillies or the St. Louis Cardinals or the Miami Marlins, uh, every other day, a team is being infected or numbers are being brought out that the teams are being infected with coronavirus. And they've had to stop and start series of games all across the country. Uh, they've been playing with the idea of we're going to designate it to certain cities. We're only going to do um, divisional play so that we can cut down on the distance being traveled. Um, it doesn't seem like they've taken any of these precautions that the NBA is taking. They didn't really follow any guidelines. And it came down even this weekend that the St. Louis Cardinals had to cancel their doubleheader. They had to cancel their entire series uh, because a good portion of the team and staff has been affected with coronavirus. The Miami Marlins, uh, the Miami Marlins have 19 positive cases of coronavirus. <laughs> 19. Oh, bro. Come on, dog. Why y'all playing? Possible positive <laughs> y'all cases. Playing? <laughs> and they canceled it, their game down, throughout bro. the weekend as a result of it. Uh, when when asked for a quote, when asked for a quote, uh, Major League Baseball Commissioner Rob Manfred uh, doubled down on his stance and that they were not going to stop the season. Um, I have my theory on it. I feel like that call is being made from higher than the commissioner. And uh, I think you and I and the rest of the audience knows where I'm coming from with that. Um, and I think Rob Manfred's kind of just going along with it. But 19 Man. possible positive cases. Did you hear the shit they were talking about? They were going to do a, a, a sleeper bus to get the players <laughs> back down to Florida from Philly or from wherever. I think it was what in Philly, I think it was. <laughs> I think or it's DC, Philly. well, bro, it's, yeah, Philly. It's some tra- this is clown activity, what? bro. Rob Manfred, you I, clown. You might think it's a higher. You think it's a higher power coming down, telling Rob Manfred, all oh, you got to keep continue the season. But he's going out like a clown because I've seen him say that the the players. It's on the, it's on the teams to make sure that the players are keeping safe. They need to do a better job. How about y'all do a better job and create an environment to where you're providing the best case scenario for these players to not catch COVID instead of telling people, oh, y'all just got to do a better job. They're taking planes. They're, you know, they're all over the place. And you have 19 cases on one team and you're going to continue to play a season? Nah, bruh. Major League Baseball got to take a deeper look into this. Uh, I did see a funny story that came from this. Uh, the Mets outfitter Joanna Cespedes did you see that yeah so Joanna Cespedes plays for the Mets and they had a series this weekend and they played yesterday and today which was Sunday he was supposed to show up for the game he didn't show up Mets officials go to his room it's clean they call him he does not answer so the Mets play the game in the middle of the game they get a call from his agent that says, yo, Anna Cespedes will be opting out of the season and he's not playing. I think that's hilarious. He said, I'm not. <laughs> talk to my agent. Don't talk to me. I'm, y'all got the game fucked up, man. We up out of here. So, uh, I mean. Shout out to Giannis. Shout somebody got to gotta Giannis, be smart. Somebody. I mean. For real. Yeah, if you see. Right up and down. 
All I done the same. You gotta go, thing. man. Y'all not trying to protect my health. Y'all just out here, just we just passing it along. We just passing the corona. Nilly willy y'all amongst each other. Come on, man. Major League Baseball gotta do better. To this day. And I think that I think that there's a I think there's more to that story. I I absolutely anticipate whenever we do get Yohannes Cespedes' side of things. I think that there's a positive case where there was uh, some skewed numbers that they either weren't reporting or word got to him that somebody on the Mets may have had it. Right. And he skied out of <laughs> He got up out of there. Like, yeah, that's going to be it I'll for me, bro. <laughs> y'all can have it. Y'all already, the Mets are already trying to sell the team. It, it, celebrities are coming out of the woodwork trying to buy into it. It seems like it's unrest over there as it is. You know, the this was like, look, man. I'm out. <laughs> I'm, uh, I'm, two words. Yeah, I am out of here, gone. bro. That's like, that's so dope. You could just, you just working. Even like, no, I ain't going in today, bro. And I ain't coming in for the rest of the year, actually. But don't talk to me, man. Talk to my representation. <laughs> oh, that's dope. That's, that's dope. what happens. That's, that's, you can make them type of moves when you save your money. Yeah, so salute to Giannis Cespedes. Uh, we'll keep an eye out on it. Yes, sir. Let us know what y'all think about the BAMs. Hit us up in the mailbag, thehitmanpodcast at gmail.com. Check us out on Instagram, at thehitmanpodcast, at labeled and known, at M-O underscore S-A-L-1. We got through a lot. We're going to keep our eyes glued to the TV when it comes mm-hmm. to the season, man. I'm so happy basketball is back. I know I was front, front for a couple boy. of weeks. Front, I, boy. I'm going to get anywhere uh, so I front can, on these people bro, like that. It still feels more It still feels more like an AAU tournament than it does anything else. It's just it's just on TV, you know what I'm saying? I still in my heart of hearts I feel like it's going to be an asterisk on the season, but this basketball versus no basketball is is, is Absolutely. Uh, I'll take this it. This is the day. best AAU tournament in the world. I'm down to watch it, bro. I'm with you on that. So we got some bad news for y'all. Uh, There's not really a sneaker run this week, sneaker rundown this week. Uh, most of the heat is coming next week. We'll have a full sneaker rundown for y'all next week. Uh, but as far as this week, the only thing to really be on the lookout for dropping August 7th, the Air Jordan 1 Retro OG uh, Code JP. It's an all-silver shoe. Again, it drops August 7th. Friday, 9 a.m., you catch it on the sneakers app. Um, I think it comes with its own commemorative case. It's a pretty good looking shoe. Um, I'm not really gonna. I'm not really a fan of it. I'm not really gonna cop it. I did cop a, <laughs> a Wolf Gray Ace at the Jail Three Light. Why are you smiling? Why are you smiling when you say it? Tokyo though. pack. Why are you smiling? Because, <laughs> because, because I seen people on Twitter was on my line about me feeling salty about you. You know, getting 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 your yeah, shoes off the sneakers app, yeah, and you talking man. right now. You gotta got that smirk on your face, like yeah, I cop. Yeah, you know. I mean, I ain't rubbing it in your face, you know. You just gotta execute. You feel me? Coach put me in a good position. My team was aggressive, and we just, Bars. you know what I'm saying? It was a great execution. Bars. So, you know, I ain't no shame. Bars. Move on to the next game. I feel you, dog. Speaking of the next game, in case you all haven't been paying attention, the ties have been turned, so it's a different type of game show this week. I'm your host, get it, bro. the kid Chris, and today we've got a brand Let's new contestant. Everybody, welcome to the show. What up, what up, what up? Whoa! You know what I'm saying? Shout out to all my people. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Do this for the hood. Let's go. I'm ready. 
So I'm not gonna handicap you. I ain't gonna. I ain't gonna. Like, You're right. You right before. Right before you do me bogus. <laughs> Let's go. Let's nah, go, I ain't gonna do you like that, bro. Cause you you took care of me, so I wanna make sure that I can uh give you something decent, okay. something that's interesting, thought provoking. So, your question for this week, bro. In the past ten years, in the past decade, the NBA's Sixth Man of the Year has come out of the the Los Angeles area in one of three ways. The past ten years, the Sixth Man of the Year has either played for the Los Angeles Lakers, played for the Los Angeles Clippers, or is from the city of Los Angeles. Oh my! God. Can you name the Sixth Men of the Year from this decade? I'll give you two hints. One is a trick question. Two. Three. Three. Come on, oh, bro. Let's get okay. it right. Yeah, Let's so my go. second hint. I'm ready. Is, no, you good. Go ahead, man. My bad. Tricking me, my tripping bad. me up. My my second hint, my my second hint is all but one of the previous six men are actively in the NBA right now. All but one. All but one. Are in the NBA right now. Right now. So I got to name three. It's the LA connection with the six men of the year award. You got to name all of them. You got to name all of them. Yeah. But one, one of them played in LA. One is from LA. And then the other is what? Those, the three categories are the past 10 years, the uh-huh. six men of the year. Uh-huh. The, and, oh, so this is my this is my third hint. And this should be I was gonna wait to give you this. So this is we're gonna start it over. This is how it goes. In the past okay. decade, uh-huh. the NBA sixth man of the year has come uh-huh. from the city of Los Angeles. They uh-huh. either play for the Lakers, they uh-huh. play for the Clippers, uh-huh. or they are originally from LA. Uh-huh. I need you to name the sixth men of the year. Well, one of them is Jamal Crawford. He won six-man plan for the Clippers. I know that. That's right. Uh, Lou Williams was a six-man a year. He played for the Lakers. Uh, I'm going to assume that that's right. The third person who is from L.A. who won a six-man of the year. It may be a trick question. Definitely. Um, And you said in the last 10 years, so this will be from 2010 to 2020. 2010 to 2019. To 2019, you're right. That's why it was a trick question. All right. The 2020 awards haven't been awarded yet. Right. Damn. So, God, why am I? I'm about to get this right. I'm about to get this right. How much time I got? Now, can you tell me this? You got 60 seconds. I got 60 seconds. Now, let let me ask you this. Did I get the first two right? Can I ask that or no? You got the first two right. So, I got to get the the third one. I'll give, give you one more hint. I'll give you one more hint. So we're talking about the six men of the year. Uh-huh. In the past in the past decade, there have only been six men to win the six man of the year award in the past decade. Since we're talking about sixes. So I'll give you 60 seconds to name me the six men that won the six man of the year. And you already gave me two. I need four more. Oh Lord. Why am I tripping off of this? Why am I tripping off this six man of the year award? I am 
pissed right now. Malcolm Brogdon won it. Six, 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 six. Malcolm Brogdon won Ooh. it. No, Malcolm Brogdon did not win it. Oh my God. Ah, <laughs> this boy got me. I'm trying to answer your LA it's question. Not it's not hard either. I'm gonna be so mad at myself for this one. I'm gonna be so mad at myself because why I'm only thinking about Lou and Jamal. Six man was coming out of the West. This man, fuck. It was coming out of the West. Give me a moment, man. I'm so mad right now, bro. What? How did I? <sighs> bro, I don't know it, bro. I don't know it. Damn, man. I'm so mad. Who is it, bro? Who? Who is it? Not the So, the six men that won the sixth man of the year. You said Jamal Crawford. Uh You said Lou Will. Uh Those were bunnies, right? Those bunnies, for sure. Okay. 2010, Jamal Crawford, Atlanta Hawks. Uh He He played for the LA Clippers. Right. 2011, Lamar Odom. The only six man in the league that is not actively in the league. 2012, James Harden, LA. That's what James Harden won six man of the year. I fucking bro, I did not want to say that because he won the MVP. 2013. James Harden won six man of the year. He did. 2012. Oh my god, the day they went to the finals. Oh my god, dog. I was gonna say 2013. 2013, current LA Laker JR Smith. Yeah, I knew JR won it, but he wasn't from LA. Damn. Plays for the Lakers, though. That's why I said they either play for the Lakers, play for <laughs> That's the Clippers, or from LA. I'm stupid, bro. 2014, Jamal Crawford, LA Clippers. Mm-hmm. 2015, Lou Will, Toronto Raptors. Mm-hmm. Currently playing for the Clippers. Mm-hmm. 2016, Jamal Crawford, LA Clippers. Yep. 2017, Eric Gordon, originally drafted by the Clippers. That's the one I was. And then 2018, 2019, and then 2018, 2019, Lou Will, LA Clippers. Uh, 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 uh. I could not think of nobody but Lou Will and Jamal. They've been winning it. They sent. That's usually they how like I go. They win That's it every other year, bro. But like they switch it off. Like, nah, it's your turn, bro. Nah, it's your turn. Damn, you got me. Oh, That's usually how I, I go. tried to make my interest and go one and zero. Good, good question. question. Good question, bro. Damn. Yeah, you're uh, gonna have to keep that gap. You you asking the question next week. I'm getting one right, motherfucker. Yeah, I'm getting one right. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of questions, while mm-hmm. we here, let's let's get off into a little bit of the mailbag. Oh man, about time. Let's mailbag do it. music. Yeah. We appreciate y'all sending them sending these Most topics. Definitely. Rocking with the yes, show. Sir. Uh let's get into let's get into it. This one comes from Casey. Shout out to Casey. What's going on, my brothers? Hope all is well and y'all staying safe. Shout out to y'all for continuing to share the light on social issues despite this being a sports podcast. Love. Can y'all touch on who y'all think is the best and worst matchups for both the Clippers and the Lakers in the first round of the playoffs? Who do you think has the best chance of beating each team? I'm going to give y'all a hint on my opinion. I think it's the Mavs for one and the Trailblazers for other. Assume... Assuming that they both get in, uh, or assuming the Blazers get in at the AFC. Thanks, bro. Shout out to y'all. Keep doing y'all thing. Shout out to Casey, man. Shout out to Casey, bro. Uh, Casey, you are 
halfway right. I believe that the Dallas Mavericks are the scariest team that the Clippers want to see in the first round. The Dallas Mavericks, the Clippers do not want to see Dallas in the first round. Reason being, Dallas offense is moving at a historic pace. You have to literally score 130 to 135 points to beat them. Watch, watch when they play. You really got to score 130 to beat them. Uh, Luka Doncic, he does what he does. He had a 40. They lost today, but he had 40, 11, and 8. You know, um, Chris Porzingis is starting to round in the form, and then they got shooters. You got Curry over there. Yeah. You got Tim Hardaway got Jr. over there. You got, I don't even know how Trey Burke got over there. Um, I don't know how they they just they let him slip over there, but you got Trey Burke over there. You got a lot of people that come off that bench and light it up. And so uh, they are the scariest match. The Clippers don't want to see them in the first round, especially with them trying to get together and get their chemistry together for the playoffs. Um, for the Lakers, I actually don't think it's the Blazers. I don't. Um, I think for the for the Lakers, their matchup. This is a good question, Casey. As I look, and the and is this was it the first round or just in the playoffs period? First round. Uh. Hmm. If the Blazers got to the AFC, I will say this: If the Blazers got to the AFC. I would have them losing to the Lakers in six. It would be a very entertaining series, but I just don't believe that they have the the post presence to match in Anthony Davis and LeBron continue to attack the lane. I just don't think they can do anything about that. And so I think that they do lose in six. But Western Conference wise, I don't in the first round yeah the blazers would be i guess they would be the scariest matchup because the pelicans wouldn't i would go with the blazers what you think chris um i don't think either one of these teams has a problem in the first round no matter who they play to be perfectly honest with you right uh as right. it stands right now the thunder are the sixth seed mavericks are the seventh memphis is the eighth seed I don't think the Clippers or Lakers will have a problem with either one of those teams. I feel like the scariest team out of all of them is actually OKC, bro. I like that. Uh, I love I like what Dallas that. is doing. I love the fact that Luka has control of the team and is only a second year. But OKC, uh, they are without a doubt going to be a scary team. They didn't have the, the, the greatest showing the other day. Um, yeah. But Chris Paul has them has them in primetime position to make to get hot. And a lot of times the champions or the people that play in the, the teams that play in the finals are not necessarily the best in the regular season, but they're the ones that catch fire at the end of the season going into the, at the right time. Uh, so I would say the Thunder yeah. would be the would be the scariest matchup for either team. Memphis, they're just too young for me. Um, they're too di- young. They're, they're athletic as hell. Um, they get up and down the floor. John Morant is a dynamo, but they just they don't have that they don't have that playoff experience. They uh Mm-mm. they're kind of just happy. I don't want to say happy to be there. They're just kind of like naive to the gravity of the situation. I think they need a little bit more seasoning. But I like them. They're a fun team. Um, but I would I would stay with OKC. Yeah, and like I said, I was looking at that eighth seed, and honestly, Dallas isn't going. Dallas or Oklahoma City is not falling to the eighth seed. So the eighth seed would really be between Memphis, San Antonio, who did who now is crept up to ninth place. Then you got Portland and New Orleans, right? And then Sacramento and Phoenix, all fighting for that right. for that eighth spot. And I'm looking at all those teams. San Antonio doesn't give the Lakers a 
scare. Memphis doesn't give them a scare. New Orleans or Sacramento, Phoenix get them all out of here. So yeah, by default, by default, Portland would be the scariest matchup. And I'm not disrespecting them because at any point in time, Dame could just start going off and giving you 40 game, 40 point games, 50 point games. So um, I think for the Lakers and Clippers, they will meet their hardest test in the second round, both of them for sure. Uh, first round though, ooh, Dallas in that first round, man. I'm telling you, keep your eye on that series. Sheesh. Mailbag music. This one comes in from Q. Shout out to Q in New York. Um, what up, this question is actually for you, Mo. He said, which yeah. ring matters and more defines LeBron's legacy, not only in the eyes of the fans, but LeBron himself? Out of the three that he has, which one do you feel uh, is the most significant? I, ha- I probably don't have a different answer. That's a you, no-brainer. Yeah, that's a, uh, that's a no-brainer. Uh, the one that it defines his career and that he holds most dear to his heart would no I mean no question be the 2016 championship uh I would say a close second is the one he won in 2013 against the the San Antonio Spurs but the thing that edges it out for the 2016 is just being down 3-1 man you got to think about all the elements that goes into that he leaves Miami comes back home into a situation where he does not see eye to eye with Dan Gilbert, but he's really coming to bring, to finish on unfinished business. He takes a young guy like Kyrie, takes another young guy like Kevin Love, who's putting up monster numbers, but doesn't necessarily know how to win. Takes him under his wing. He's teaching Kyrie how to be a pass first point guard or how to get assists with his points. They're, you know, they're going through the season, they're doing well. And this is 2015, I'm saying. And they go to the finals and he doesn't have his two guys there. And he loses that series. And now his finals record is looking pretty shaky. And then in 2016, now you got you have full strength, but now you're going against a 73 and 19 who has the first unanimous MVP in NBA history with Steph Curry. And you're down 3-1. At this point. You anybody looking at this series would be like, it's over. And he puts up 41 in game five, 41 in game six, a 30-point triple double in game seven with a defining block that we will always remember. And Kyrie Irving hitting a shot that, you know, shocked the world pretty much. Of course, that's gonna hold the most weight. That championship in, in my eyes holds weight the weight of two championships, but I'm not here to debate that. Yeah, we're not here to debate that. I feel like LeBron's <laughs> <laughs> the, the defining championship for him is also going to be 2016, but I feel like it's for different reasons. I feel like he had to work a lot harder for that one than he did uh, when he was in Miami. Um, it's it's kind of funny because the last images that we have when it comes to defining LeBron's career, his legacy, uh, are plays that had nothing to do with icing the game. They were pivotal moments, but – they weren't the game-saving moments. The Cavs won that game because of Kyrie's shot. LeBron put them in a position to win the game because of the block. And I feel like the block gets lorded and talked about much more than the shot that Kyrie hit. Um, Have 20- you ever seen a play like that? No, I've never Just seen ask a play him. like No, I've never seen a play oh, like okay. that. But I've, ne- but, but I've never seen a play like Kyrie's uh, game seven shot either. Eh, um, yes, you have. Not in the game seven. No, I haven't. And okay. in 2014, 
uh, we talk about LeBron's. That was pretty much his greatest statistical season uh, to date. Um, but we talk about that championship because of what it meant to beat the Spurs and um, kind of solidify LeBron as a, as a perennial champion. But again, the 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 shot that made that that iced the game or the play that we always talk about is the Ray Allen shot. And that wasn't even in game seven. That was in game six. Exactly. Who showed up in game seven, though, bro? Who 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 iced the game in game seven? Don't try to don't don't say one thing and then leave I'm out not, that he I'm did hit the game out. winning the game ceiling jump in the game seven. I'm not leaving that it series. out. What I'm saying is the reasons right. that these rings, the 2016 ring, defines him is because of how much harder he had to work versus the 2014. I was just bringing it into context. He did his thing in 2014, um, but the play that gets talked okay. about quite a bit, the reason that they were in the position to win the game was because of Ray Allen's shot. If Ray Allen doesn't hit that shot, LeBron is is trash for all time because he missed the initial shot that sent them into overtime. And because Chris Bosh was in position to make that great uh, rebound or, or tip out, and then Ray Allen did his thing, and you know the rest of that story. Um, so shout out to shout out to Q uh, for that question. Shout out to Mailbag Q. Mailbag music. Teammates to win games. Can't do it by yourself. This last one comes in from a um, friend <laughs> of the show, Denzel uh, D. Jones. Says, is Steve Nash a top five point guard all time? I'm. I mean, out the gate, I'm gonna say Man, no. I he doesn't answer. I almost answered that. I almost answered that disrespectfully, but he's a Hall of Famer, no doubt. First ballot, but I'm. A, I'm gonna say yeah, no. Bro. Outside of the back-to-back MVPs, he doesn't have an NBA championship. Uh, he doesn't have an Olympic gold medal. Um, stats aside, um, I, when I think about all-time point guards, I think about an Isaiah Thomas. I think about a, a Pete Maravich. I think about. Yeah. Um, a John Stockton who doesn't have a ring, but he played in the finals. Um, even even down to the, uh-huh. the new age now, like I would venture to say, Chris Paul, uh, despite the stats, can can vie for that. Uh, I don't want to say that he's a top five point guard, but yeah. when it comes resume to resume, I feel like he could challenge Steve Nash minus the MVPs, stat wise, leadership wise. Um, but no, me personally, can right. can you name can you name five outside of outside of Steve Nash right now? Off just off the top of the head. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I can. Uh, Chris Paul, Magic. Well, in no in no particular order. Magic, Magic Johnson, sure. Isaiah Thomas, Chris Paul, Jason Kidd, John Stockton. Uh, did I name Chris? I, named, I said Chris Paul. Oh, Steph Curry. Steph Curry's better than Steve Nash. We not even gonna. Like when we talk, and he plays point guard, so we just gotta we have to respect Steph Curry in that right. You know what I'm saying? He's got three rings, and you we just said that was that was part of it, right? right. Um, getting your team to that place and, and actually winning. So I can name those five. Uh, just I'm not trying to, and it's not even being disrespectful. You know, that's just he's just Steve Nash is outside looking in the top five point guards. Good question though. Um, Almost answered it disrespectfully, but <laughs> you cannot take away what Steve Nash did. Yeah, almost went, almost went, said something crazy. But <laughs> yeah, man, Steve Nash is on the outside looking into that. But one of the greatest floor generals we've ever seen, though. Yeah, Play the no game. Doubt. 
but not one of the best, not top five point guard. No, appreciate appreciate the yeah. questions. Shout out, shout Make out sure to you, y'all. Hit us up in the mail back again at the Hitman Podcast at gmail.com. Y'all check us out on Instagram at the Hitman Podcast at labeled and known at m o underscore s a l one. Man, um, quick note: I want to shout out Ross. I just finished his memoir, Hurricanes. Um, it's really dope, really dope read. I'm on to some other stuff now. I picked up a bunch of books. I'm in my book bag this time, bro. Yeah, I picked up Shoot Dog. I picked. I mean, I picked up. Uh, okay, uh, Decoded. I'm not, thanks. Appreciate your recommendation. Uh, I picked up Decoded. Um, that's a dope book. Shout out to my brother Big Mike. I picked up The Richest Man in Babylon. I'm on. I'm reading okay. it now. Um, oh, you in your bag? You in your yeah, dope? I picked up one more. I can't For remember. What it, I can't remember which one it was. I think I got Charlemagne's book on the way too. Um, okay. But yeah, bro, I done fixed all the stuff in the house. I'm trying to. I'm trying to sharpen the mind now. You feel me? Yeah, man, that's important. Bro. Bro, stay sharp, you know. Uh, we got enough activities to do during this quarantine, but it's good to always, you know, open up a book, get some knowledge, you know, gain some clarity, those different type of things. Right now, I got a couple projects that I'm working on. I'm not going to really speak too much, but uh, things that I'm, you know, diligently working on and hopefully we'll get some some big things popping before the end of 2020. But, yeah, man, that, that that's great. I ain't going to lie to you, man. Anything else going on? with you man these amazon packages is coming in here non-stop my daughter gonna be straight when she comes. <laughs> <laughs> shout out to, shout out to, shout out to the to the inner circle for for taking care of me and making sure that you know what i'm saying we situated keep them coming you yeah, feel sh- me <laughs> yeah sh- shout out to them shout out shout out to them people that's working amazon right now renting them u-haul trucks for 1995 and dumping all them packages in a u-haul i see y'all getting y'all grind on i'm like damn people was moving like crazy i look down the street my man's is hauling hauling packages in the U- u-haul 1995 van so hey shout out to y'all that's getting it in and grinding by any means necessary during this time for sure that's like when Debo and his show. little brother was driving in the U-Haul the next Friday to pull yeah. up on Craig. <laughs> <laughs> Big facts, man. We like we left out a couple people, uh, not even shout out wise. I'm talking about NBA wise. Uh, the Celtics just and we we can get into that later. But the Celtics is just a, a definite team that we probably need to get into later. Um, uh, that dynamic between Jason Tatum. And uh, the rest of those players, are they going to let him go ahead and be the guy that they rely on or are they going to do it by committee? Um, I'm really interested to see that. We can get into that next uh, next episode. We'll be back. Let's talk about the dynamic between Jason Tatum and that trash-ass haircut that he finally oh. got rid of. Because <laughs> them numbers, that first game was Bodine, Joe. And then he got rid of that shit. <laughs> And he came back and was lethal. You oh, feel me? Man. Thank oh, God. They was roast. I ain't gonna lie. I was I was roasting them when I seen that first cut. I'm like, man, who is giving out these tapers out here, bro? I need practice. But yeah, man, he cut that hair off and he had a great game. That's the bang. Maybe interesting. <laughs> Be interested to see where they go from there, man. For real, for real. Got any shout outs? Yeah, I actually do got some shout outs. I want to shout out black women, man, especially black women in sports. They doing their thing out here. Shout out to Malika Andrews, Maria and Joy Taylor. Shout out Taylor Rooks, uh, Stephanie Reddy, Carrie Champion, Jamel Hill. Okay, we appreciate okay. y'all for for doing what y'all doing um, at the highest level. Y'all are the superstars. Shout out Rise Goldon Rude. Y'all doing y'all thing, so we appreciate y'all. Continue to do that at the highest level. Continue to bring us uh, the spot on coverage. And, and show the world that black women are forced to be reckoned with. Shout out to my homegirl, Sasha, 
with the 30-ish podcast. It's on Apple Podcasts, anywhere podcasts live. We appreciate you. Uh, she just filmed a third episode out in Nashville, so go check that out as soon as y'all can. Much love and respect. Much love and respect. Uh, Shout-outs for me. I, I really just got one, man. Shout-out to my little bro. Uh, My little bro out here, you know, putting in work, starting his little clothing I'm not even going to call it a little clothing line. My brother's starting a clothing line, and he's putting in the work to, you know, become one of the, hopefully in the next five years, somebody that, you know, is going to be in the game. It's going to be providing this merch and, you know, different things to people in high places. So shout out to my little bro, Sadiq, man. Much love. Make sure y'all keep checking in. Subscribe, five-star, rate us, throw them reviews up there when y'all got the time. We appreciate it. But, uh, yeah, man, we're going to wrap it up here. We're going to get up out of here. We appreciate y'all checking in. We're going to get back at y'all next week. Same bad time. Same bad channel. Peace. Peace. What happened here was a miracle, and I want you to f***ing acknowledge it. All right. It was a miracle. Can we go now? Can we go now?